listening to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank. This is Corey. What's up, guys? It's JK3. All right, so it's one of those uh, afternoon showers in Jacksonville uh, that has occurred every single day of the summer lately, which is great for the heat, but um, not great for recording sometimes. You may hear a little bit of rain in the background, uh, but we do have a, a special episode first guest for this season that we're excited about, uh, actually a, a three-time guest and uh, a guy and a, a publication that I've been following since I was uh, a lot younger. Um, that's Aaron Schatz. He's the head of Football Outsiders, which is kind of considered to be the essential guide to the football season for a lot of people, including myself. Uh, he also does some analysis for ESPN. Uh, Aaron, thanks again for joining the podcast. We appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll have a link, uh, as before, uh, to the Outsiders website in the podcast description where you can get either the paper copy or the the digital copy, which I personally recommend because you can access all the prior stuff and, and some uh, you know up-to-date uh, numbers and analysis as well. So That's I tend to like the, uh, that one. The Football Outsiders Almanac, just to be clear for folks. Football Outsiders being the website, right? We do content throughout the year. Football Outsiders Almanac is our preseason book which you can buy either in print copy on Amazon or, like you said, electronic copy from footballoutsiders.com, where you also get the archives of all of our past books going back to 2009. Yes, much better refined pitch than me. I apologize. I'm a little used to it. I'm practicing. (laughs) That's good. No, I like that. Well, I will say I like taking the PDF because I'm a huge iPad Pro guy now, and I throw that thing into the Notability app and and scribble on it and highlight it and, and do all that fun stuff to sort of, you know, you know parse out the, the important things to me, but uh, really enjoying it so far. And like I said, we'll put that link in there. Uh, it's always kind of my, my favorite read prior to a new season, just for the, uh, the in-depth and sort of unique analysis, uh, you know, versus what's out there uh, elsewhere. So um, really quick as a precursor to everything, just in case this happens right in the middle of recording, there is a rumor out there on Twitter that Yannick Ngakwe uh, may be very close to being traded. And uh, JK3, I know we kind of talked in the group text before that, uh, that uh, that's a possibility. And we've had bad luck in the past with that occurring right in the middle of recording or posting something. So so as opposed to me having to do a pre-recorded thing later on, let's just go ahead and throw that out there. And we're going to hit on him in just a bit as well, as far as the defensive projections that they had. Um, but before we do that, um, Aaron, so in the introduction for the latest almanac, you know, you guys kind of uh, allude a little bit to the, you know, the COVID-19 situation and how you've worked around it. But, you know, can you tell us just a little bit maybe how your job and Football Outsiders approach has changed with the virus, especially with regards to the you know, potential of a scaled back season or maybe even no season at all? Well, what's remarkable is how little my job has changed. We were very lucky in football to be in our offseason when this hit. And so we all went around, uh, went about our business as usual. Obviously, the draft was a little bit different, and there weren't any OTAs, but we had free agency. We had a draft. We could write about all those things. So we just went forward with writing about the season, expecting that it was going to happen, because if it happened, we needed a book. That's you know how we make our money. Uh, and if it didn't happen, we were stuck. <laughs> so we was like, we might as well assume it's going to happen. Um, as far as our statistical projections, we didn't make any change in the stat projection system, but our projections are naturally very conservative. 
like our projections tend to to really hover closely around eight and eight because of how we project wins and losses based on how good a team is. Therefore, uh, I think you know the major thrust of COVID is probably going to be to level things off between the good teams and the bad teams because you never know which players are going to miss in a specific week. And uh, assuming players, you know, get COVID so far through early training camps, we haven't had any new cases, but there's no way that that's going to continue, you know, in perpetuity. So if that brings everybody closer to eight and eight, our projections are sort of already there in their conservatism already. So mostly the way we just dealt with COVID-19 was just to write about it in the book. You know, obviously it's better to be a team with more continuity this year, uh, to be a little less dependent on rookies this year. We all think that's the case, but we don't know for sure because we've never had a season like this. Good. Hey, well, I mean, man, it, it's definitely a lot of things that are going up in the air and it's a lot of uncertainty. So uh, I'm pretty sure that we're not going to hold you to what you say, you know, directly on this podcast and, uh, you know, hold your feet to the fire in there. But, you know, a, a quick question that I had for you, uh, as far as a process goes, uh, I mean, it looks like Andrew Potter, you know, he was the uh, the primary, you know, contributor for the Jaguars, you know, chapter on this. Like, how do you guys, you know, how do you guys decide on who's going to, you know, write each chapter? Um, is it like something where you guys have like a collaborative effort where you kind of just sort of pass them around? And, you know, how, how does this, do you get to work with a certain team? You know, kind of explain that process for some of the listeners. Yeah, I sit down early in the season and I usually divvy it up sometime in September. Um, we've got certain people who are fans of certain teams, but I like to move things around and have different people write about different teams in different years. So in general, I'll move people around um, where they'll do their favorite team one year and then not the next, and then they'll be back to it the third and back and forth. Otherwise, I like to give people divisions that like they know they're going to end up watching a lot. Like, you know, I, if, you, if your favorite team is playing the NFC South next year, maybe I'll give you the NFC South. So Andrew Potter's got a little bit more of a connection on the Jaguars because he lives over in the UK. Oh, wow. So he, oh, okay. he's a Saints fan. So I tend to go back and forth between him having two NFC South chapters and then two AFC South chapters uh, every other year. That's interesting. Is that a bad sign that our main connection to uh... – to the Jaguars through Football Outsiders as a guy in the UK as opposed to North Florida. <laughs> That's what well, you may call I mean, an omen. Listen, it's an omen. <laughs> say, there's plenty of NFL markets where we've never had a writer. I, you know, I don't think we've ever had a writer who lived in Kansas City or was a Chiefs fan. I don't think we've ever had a writer who. I'm trying to think here, like which other teams that we haven't had a writer who's a fan of. We did have an Atlanta fan for a little while, so that that one's good. For a while, we had no NFC South, and then we've gotten a bunch of NFC South in the last couple of years, like Scott Spratt, who's now a full-time fantasy expert for us as a Carolina guy. So it, it's a it's a mix. We have certain, you know, I don't think we've ever had a Raiders fan. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to get a mix of people from all over the country and who are fans of different co- uh, different divisions so that, you know, people are paying close attention to everything. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, he did a good job. I, I you could tell that he was, uh, you know, connected with the team. Um, or I mean, well, once I know. divvy those out in September, everybody pays pretty close attention to the teams that they're going to have for the next three and a half months. So, right, right. Well, it seemed like, and I know in the past when you had been on, we were sort of still pushing Blake Bortles that, you know, you were trying to, uh, I think, persuade us that, you know, we were uh, misguided in, in that thought process, which obviously turned out to be true. Now, if you've been in Jacksonville lately, or maybe even just national media, you've seen the, the Minshew thing kind of blow up as if he's the uh, 
the the you know next Tom Brady or something. At least that's how we feel here in town. So, but when it comes to the almanac, you guys have a pretty cautious viewpoint on them. Um, you guys had noticed when it, noted when it came to Jaguars rookie quarterbacks that he had only uh, he had only been beaten by Byron Leftwich uh, in DVOA, but. Uh, otherwise arguably had the best rookie season versus any other quarterback in, in franchise history in some statistical categories. So with more of the weapons that we've added at tight end and the new offensive coordinator with Jay Gruden, um, you know, how are you guys sort of projecting him to perform this upcoming season? And, you know, I guess what's your outlook on him versus maybe the outlook that you've had in the past with Jaguars quarterbacks? I don't know how many weapons they've really added. Uh, the tight ends are mostly just kind of – uh, I mean, I guess they're just Eifert, guys. Just with the, good, they're just guys. Right. They're just guys. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that, and then I thought, no, no, no. Eifert is good. Eifert is good, or was. I don't know if he is still. He might just be a guy at this point. You know, obviously he's got injury issues. Uh, Lavisca Chanel is one of those interesting guys who, God, it feels like there's so much talent there, but teams have such a hard time figuring out how to focus that talent in an efficient way in the NFL that was so much talent in college. You know what I'm talking about with players mm-hmm. like that? Like Percy Harvin, Cordero Patterson, right. Avon Austin. Um, and, you know, Chris Thompson, you know, catch some passes on third down. That's cool. But, you know, there's been some analysis about running back passes on third down are not usually an efficient way to be moving the ball. Um, and the new OC, here's the thing, right, is that in general with a new system and a new OC, you know, all other things being equal, teams will tend to take a step backwards, right? Um, but when it comes to Minshew, it, listen, it's a balance when it comes to projecting him. He he wasn't terrible last year. One of the things I've been going around telling people is, I, I don't quite understand why everybody expects the Jaguars to have the worst offense in the league this year. Thank you. And they didn't have the worst offense in the league last year, and it's the same people basically this year. Like that's what I don't understand. I I, I hate to cut you off, but I don't understand how people can can tell me how they, how this team is going to regress when we've had a Pro Bowl wide receiver. We had you know Fournette wasn't a slouch you know in the running game. I mean halfway through the season again, you know he was up there with Christian McCaffrey. Um, and, and then now you've got a little bit more confident uh, you know Gardner who can get in with the playbook. I just don't get it and most of the times I ask people and they're just regurgitating stuff that they hear on local media here that they've heard you know some of the radio personalities saying I mean they they might regress you know everything everything when you do stat analysis like I do is all about a span and a range of possibilities right Mm -hmm. and they certainly could regress but on average I think the expectation would be that they would do about what they did last year which is not good but it's not the worst in the league either. It's like 26th or 25th, right? Like right. you have to balance out uh, the new weapons and the fact that in second year is the most likely time that a quarterback takes a step forward with the fact that there's a new OC and a new system to learn and that Minshew, you know, it matters when it comes to projections. It matters that he doesn't have a pedigree, right? You're going to project a guy from the fifth round not as well as you're going to project a guy from the first round. Sure. But when you balance those things out, I think you end up with an offense that's probably going to be like 26th or 27th, which is not the worst in the league. 
So based on based on you know your your the, the system that you guys use the DV DVOA um, and for for everyone that is listening to the to the podcast DVOA is kind of like a, a grading and a measurement system that they use. I mean, you can explain it a little bit better than I can yeah, for it, sure. I wouldn't want to use the word grading because uh-huh. there's nothing subjective about it. It's based directly off of play by play. But it, okay. basically, what it does is it looks at success on each play based on the down and distance and adjusts it based on the situation and the opponent. Okay. So in your opinion, and so your projections right now, and granted, I haven't looked at all 32 teams right now. So if you're projecting the Jags at 26, can you give me, um, you know, a, just, a, just off the top of your head, and I hate to throw a wild uh, you know, curveball at you, but Jags 26, lower end of the league. Can you give the, the audience someone who would compare to like a middle tier offense and then also who you guys may think may have one of the top offenses, uh, you know, in, in the league this year? Um, the top offenses are Kansas city, new Orleans, Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, middle of the league offense, Pittsburgh. Okay. With Roethlisberger back is sort of projected as, as middle of the league Houston. So I'm, when you're saying these things, I'm thinking of the weapons and I can automatically name, you know, weapons that are on each one of those teams, as opposed to Jacksonville, you know, even though he made the pro bowl last year, people the league don't doesn't know. know. Yeah, yeah, no one knows who DJ Chark is. You know, people barely may know Fournette because of fantasy. Um, you know, no one – Chris Conley is not going to ring anybody's bell or anything else like that. Neither will Keelan Cole or, you know, LaVishka. So, yeah, I, I, I thanks for making that clear. Um, now, as far as, you know, the defense goes, and, again, we mentioned earlier that Jan may be getting traded, uh, and that's the rumor on the street right now. One of the things that I did see while scrolling was possibly Oakland may be in that, but – um, you know, based off of that, you know, since he's fired his agent and, you know, talking to Dave Caldwell again and trying to get that, that trade happening, you know, obviously, um, I was reading that the defensive projections are based, are they based off of like he based off of he, him playing or based off of it is like, based, Yeah. In the personnel variable, mm-hmm. we did not subtract in Okay. So you did not subtract him, but you added um, Kayla Vaughn, Chase on Josh Allen, correct? Well, Josh Allen was uh, was already there. Okay, but Kayla Vaughn, you, you guys did add him? Into right. It? The, the way that the personnel variable works for defense is that it considers uh, free agents and trade guys who are uh, above replacement level based on approximate value from pro football reference. Okay. So that's okay. guys who are, who are above three AV. Uh-huh. And then it also gives credit for players drafted in the first two rounds, okay. offensive players drafted in the first two rounds. So, yeah, they get a little bit of credit there for Clayvon Chason. Okay. So what are you guys projecting as far as a, a rank, um, you know, for, for the Jaguars defense? And kind of the same question with the offense. Can you give me a middle and, you know, a, 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 you know your, your top defenses for the, for the league? Well, the defense, I mean, defenses are much closer together, okay, mm-hmm. because offense is much easier to predict than defense. So our defenses are clustered together. Okay. Um, the best defensive projection in the league is Buffalo. Really? Hmm. Yes. Um, you know, Pittsburgh would be a good one. San Francisco would be a good one. Um, I don't know who would be middle of the league. Minnesota, would, maybe? Would Buffalo's, would Buffalo's be based off of the amount of starters that they are returning? And some of the key key players that they they don't have the personnel movement. They don't have the personnel movement, and then um, they were less dependent on turnovers than last year's other top defenses. 
The Patriots, the 49ers, the Steelers were much more dependent on turnovers. Buffalo was more dependent on just stopping yardage and stopping completions. And those things tend to carry over from year to year more than takeaways. So based off so and so and for the casual fans that are listening, Buffalo didn't you know, or Buffalo didn't re- rely on fumbles, fumble recoveries, picks. They were just basically going out playing four down football and stopping you from getting any yards. But but the way it works is because defense is so much harder to project. Right. So like the Kansas City offensive projection is over two times as strong as the Buffalo defensive projection. The best offense comes out over two times as strong as the best defense. Well, I mean, that makes sense because those guys, they can really, they can score uh, at will and they can run up the the score. The quarterback has so much impact on the game himself. Right. That it's like, there's some argument to be made that defense is, is even after we adjust for opponents, the defense is more about who you've played than about how good you are. The other problem with defense and reason why it tends to vary widely is the, the, the takeaways being really inconsistent and the fact that um, it's easier to cover holes on offense than it is to cover holes on defense. Because on offense, you're calling the plays. If you only have two good wide receivers, but you need to go three wide, you can just avoid that third guy. But if the other team goes three wides and you only have two good corners, they're going to pick on your third corner. So depth matters more on defense than it does on offense. And I think that was one of the things with the Jags and the analysis that came up is that you guys were also a little concerned about the depth that we have on defense right now. Yeah, I'd say that that's true. And they've lost so many good defensive players. But here's, I mean, here's the thing is we do, so we incorporate the last three years of data. And this was a good defense before last year. And some of those players are still here. I mean, yeah, they got rid of a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But there's still some good players here. And that's why I don't think Jacksonville is going to have the worst defense in the league. I think they're going to be, I think our projection has them like 20th. And if they lose, if they lose Ngakwe, that'll drop down to like 24th or something. I don't know if it's a good thing. The idea that I'm suggesting that Jacksonville is going to be better than most people think, I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing. If you're somebody who believes that the most important thing for this franchise is to get one of those top quarterbacks in next year's draft, that that's more important than having an outside shot at the new seventh playoff spot, then my prediction is actually should be a little worrying to you <laughs> because <laughs> I don't think, I mean, listen, I can't tell you, I can't put in my projection system, the Jags are tanking, right? Cause that's subjective, right? That they make that decision. But it's my opinion that based on the talent on the team, they're not the worst team in the game. Yeah. Well, I think, the, and you guys even kind of touched on this with that TV show where it's all about that, character who's has this crazy optimism about the Jaguars and everything. And I think we're in that sort of bubble where we, um, you know, we just sort of see the stuff going on here in camp and we want the team to be better so that the games are more enjoyable to watch. But in the grand scheme of things, like you said, maybe long-term that's, it's not a good idea for us to go, you know, six and 10 versus worse than that. Um, it's just it might be to... better if the Jaguars are as bad as everyone thinks they are and not <laughs> mediocre, you know, kind of a little bit bad, like I tend mm. to think that they are. Well, but on the other hand, there's going to be so much randomness to this season because of COVID. And there's so much randomness to the NFL season anyway, that I mean, in my opinion, that there is an outside shot that the Jaguars could be playoff contenders because random stuff happens and random stuff is especially going to happen this year. And players could take big step forward that we have no idea about. And there is a good amount of talent here. I mentioned that they get credit for Chase on. I mean, there's C.J. Henderson, too. They've got two defensive first-rounders. 
So, so there's, there's good talent here. It's just, you know, it's, everything is about a range of possibilities. Right. So that kind of gets to, to the sort of last question that we had. I listened to your interview on uh, the Pick 6 podcast from CBS, which I'll link in the podcast description. It was a pretty good little interview. Uh, you guys kind of ran through almost, it seemed like, every team in the league. So pretty extensive review there. Um, you had a quote that I, that I thought was kind of funny that, you know, we're going to be uh, sort of the run-of-the-mill bad team and not the worst team, which you've been alluding to here, um, which is super exciting as a fan. But um, with a 33% chance of play- being a playoff contender, according to the Almanac, uh, what do you think has to go right of what you mentioned before for us to break through? Is it Minshew? Is it the defense overperforming? Uh, what's that kind of key area that you think that would sort of push us through to the playoffs? I mean, the best way to win is to have good quarterback play. So Minshew taking a big step forward would be a big plus. I, I, do, I wouldn't compare, compare him to Tom Brady. There's only one Tom Brady, and expecting a late-round pick to turn into Tom Brady is, is a little ridiculous. But if you want to be hopeful but also realistic, hope that he turns into Mark Bolger. Right? Mark, Mark Bolger, I think, was also like a sixth-round pick. Right. And he was a good quarterback who made a couple of Pro Bowls. That's a more realistic upside for Gardner Minshew than saying he's going to be the next Tom Brady. Um, gotcha. but be, being the next Mark Bolger would be the best possible thing for this team to actually make a playoff run. I, I love the I love the deflation in your voice, Corey. Mark, <laughs> I get I got you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you sound, remember Mark Bolger was pretty good there for a couple of years. Like that's that's much more typical of the upside when sixth and seventh round picks turn into things. And it is rare for sixth and seventh round quarterbacks to turn into things. Not only is it unbelievably rare to be Tom Brady, it's even rare to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, you know, again, he, for, for a sixth round rookie, he had a really nice little rookie season. And if he takes a step forward, that would definitely help this team compete. Um, I think the defense improving with all the young talent, you know, young talent, you never know when it's going to suddenly coalesce. It's very difficult to predict. And obviously there's a lot of young first round picks. I mean, they haven't, Taven Bryan hasn't lived up to his draft status yet. That would be nice. Allen is a great little player. They got the two first rounders from this year. Like they could put some, they could put a defense together and defense is really hard to predict. And then the other thing that would be helpful would be to see, some falling off from the other teams in the division to see Tannehill not repeat what he did in the second half of last year and to see Houston win games that matched their underlying play as opposed to last year when they played like an eight and eight team but ended up going 10 and six, right? It's a, but it's not a division where you're like, there's a team that's going to be almost impossible to beat. It's not like being in the AFC West with Kansas city or the AFC North with Baltimore where you're like, we're kind of playing for second place here. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's kind of our saving grace, honestly. Um, one last thing, and then we'll let you go, just because I know you're a Pats guy. So what's the, uh, what's the you know, kind of your personal, and don't give me the statistical stuff. I want you to get into your, your fan bubble like us and talk about the, the Patriots outlook without Brady and with uh, Cam Newton coming in. You don't want me to go on and on about how the stats suggest that the Patriots defense is going to collapse this year? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you know, that might work, actually. But um, as a fan, I mean, I would love for Cam Newton to be awesome because Cam Newton being awesome is so much fun to watch. Like, I mean, if you want to talk about what's fun to watch, that's what would be fun to watch would be Cam Newton 
being healthy and stellar and the kind of football that you can play with Cam Newton. You know, they did that, was it three, four years ago when Brady was suspended and they had Jacoby Brissett in there and they basically were using like the Carolina Panthers playbook from Madden with all kinds of read options and it was just a lot of fun. So, I mean, Newton being great would be a lot of fun, but no, the Patriots have lost more talent in the offseason than any defense we've seen since at least 2003. And that was before the opt-outs cost them Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung. They are going to take a real dip this year on defense. Uh, yeah, I see the same thing that you're saying, uh, uh, JK3, about um, Las Vegas and possibly the New York Jets for Ngakwe. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I mean, I'm sure that's going to be, you know, kind of news throughout the, uh, throughout well, the rest would, of the... Uh, boy, Nagakwe, if he wants to go somewhere where he's going to win, boy, go to the Jets. Let me tell you, that's the team that's <laughs> set up this year. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks. Is, is that, uh, I mean, is that your outlook? No, that was complete and total start. Yeah, I was going to <laughs> okay. say, yeah, no, there's no way. There's- I was like, I, I didn't read that chapter yet for the New York Jets. So I didn't know I didn't know if there was some analysis I was missing there. Well, um, since we wrote the book, they've lost their top two defensive players. So, Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'll need to do my due diligence and make sure I read the rest of the book so that I can be a little bit more uh, you know, up to the task of detecting sarcasm next time. Um, but no, I, I appreciate it. This was a, a good overview. I definitely recommend um, all the fans out there who haven't checked out uh, Football Outsiders and the Almanac to definitely do it. Really good value. Like I said, a lot more unique and fun analysis versus uh, some of the other stuff that's out there right now. So we'll have that link in the uh, in the podcast description. And Mind everyone, um, it's, I just want to tell everyone it's over 500 pages, chapters on every team, fantasy football projections. Folks love it and hopefully you'll love it too. Yeah, for sure. And Aaron's also a great uh, follow on Twitter as well. I, I find him pretty fun to follow. So you can get him at F-O underscore A-S-C-H-A-T-Z. Um, so uh, Aaron, thanks again for joining. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe we'll surprise you and you guys can be doing analysis next year of uh, the Super Bowl champion of, of, Jaguars. Of, yeah, how much they surprised us. Listen, it's the <laughs> NFL. Lots of random things happen. Who, I mean... Not, not a lot of people would have had San Francisco in the Super Bowl a year ago at this time. I know we didn't. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks, Aaron. We appreciate it. Okay. Bye, guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.